All right, and we are now live. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> and welcome to From Many People's Strength, a podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics. Uh, and I guess current events. <laughs> I'm Corey. I'm David, and uh, this week is going to be sort of part two of our focus on the municipal elections. Um, may may talk about a couple other, as you said, current events. Um, it's all still politics. Yeah, that's um, right. Everything's politics. <laughs> Every, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I, I I would be shocked if after um, the last few weeks we've had there isn't a little bit of election fatigue. Um, I, I know we can just for you and I, right? Like, yeah. um, I, you know, we, we did research last week for, for the episode. Um, this week I, you know, was doing some, but, you know, it, it's, there's an elephant in the room <laughs> while trying yeah. to. Pretty major event uh, that takes a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, there's the, there's the Super Bowl going on um, in the same week that your kid is, you know, playing for the you know the city championship. Um, only it's a Super Bowl that happens every only every four years instead of yearly, right? Like yeah. it's it certainly uh, overshadows a lot. But you know, with that analogy, to some you know, to a large degree, your kids' football game matters more than the Super Bowl does, but, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It's easier to pay attention to the Super Bowl, but your kids' football yeah. game probably matters more in your life. Yeah, and, and I think. I think it's true for a lot of this as well. So um, I'm, uh, like I said, I think I mentioned this last week a little bit, um, uh, spoiled on, you know, two of the three races in, in that I don't have to have a tough choice for city council at all because I have, I'm the only acclaimed, uh, the only acclaimed election of any kind in, uh, in Regina. And, um, you know, the school board trustee is, is, a friend of mine who is just an amazing, amazing candidate. So that made that choice right. super easy. Um, and then mayor is confusing as hell in Regina. Um, yeah. And we <laughs> talked a lot about that last week and sort of just that at the end of the day, the, the, the choices that we're going to have are to be blunt, mediocre choices. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like there's no, there's no amazing candidates. Um, no, yeah. Nobody stands out as like the, the person that is like inspiring or like, uh, and it, it's also not to, to reference uh, recent events. It's not even like we have a Joe Biden situation where you have a mediocre candidate that seems amazing by contrast. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's certainly, um, yeah, it, it's certainly a different thing. Like four years ago and eight years ago, um, I would never have imagined voting for Fougere, um, especially his first time round. Um, he was very much the, uh, you know, there were there were two strong candidates um, running against him the first time he ran. And okay. I was stuck in that um, oh so familiar position of do I vote for the one who's most likely to, to beat him or do I vote for the one who I think is actually the stronger of the three candidates. Right. Um, uh, so it was again, but it was a tough choice between two good candidates and Fougere who I know I didn't want to get in <laughs> four years ago it was a little bit tougher because there wasn't sort of the, the standout opposition. And, and, and this time around too, it's, um, I, I, it's such <laughs> a tough, because he's like, Fougere is not 
Donald Trump. Um, right, right. He's not even, he's not even Jason Kenney, right? Like, um, and, and municipal politicians off, especially successful municipal politicians often aren't, you know, running, you know, running local politics. It, it will always, almost always pull you to the center. Right. Um, municipal politics um, doesn't have party affiliations. Um, it requires a lot more compromise. It requires working one-on-one with your opposition. And they don't even often consider them opposition, right? You look at city council votes, um, you know, and then I don't want to just focus on Regina Saskatoon in general, especially in Canada. Um, United States obviously is, is a bit more of a polarized um, place yeah, they, in the world. They still have like uh, party affiliation in some places, they, right? They have, in some places they do, in some places they don't. Um, they have party affiliation for for like their elected dog catchers. Um, <laughs> right. Yes. They, they, yeah. uh, I was talking to be like some of the people who voted last Tuesday had over 20 different things they were voting on, on their ballot. <laughs> like we think about how municipal is weird compared to federal and provincial because federal and provincial you only have one choice municipal, three whole choices. Like that's a lot to figure out. Yeah. And they're dealing and like they're dealing with ballot initiatives. They're dealing with judges. They're dealing with, and they do that yearly. Right, like right. The big, the big ones are are only every year or every four years, and then medium ones are every two. Um, but they have, you know, they have an election day once a year, every year. Right. Um, and and they vote on like so many things are politicized there. And again, the the party affiliation is sometimes overt and sometimes this is both. Right, they are all three. They have they have completely overt party affiliation. Like everyone knows who it is. They right. have. The party affiliation is there, but it's not on the the ballot. The judges are like that, is my understanding. In most places, judges often have a party affiliation, but that's not listed anywhere on the ballot. Um, and then they do have more of the like, no, no, I'm I'm running as an actual independent for city council. There's, you know, I'm not going to get pigeonholed. Right. Um, and Canada tends to be actually a lot. It's sometimes that second one, but it's it's more often the third, from what I can tell. Like obviously some exceptions. Um, but across the country, we tend to have a lot more um, uh, people just being themselves in their city councils. Um, and if you look at the votes, and I think is where I was sort of going with this initially, like when you look at the votes, it's not like it breaks down on party lines. It's not like yeah. you get 10 city councillors. Here's the three that always vote conservative. Here's the three that always vote liberal. Here's the, you know, <laughs> right. four in the middle that sometimes oscillate back and forth on issues. And it's the same two or three people that will no, it's like, you sort of like each different issue will have different people taking different spots. Now that's not always the case. You know, um, we talked about um, the library in Saskatoon last week. Um, Obviously like that can opinions on library funding can vary across that political spectrum. Right. um, And, and, and whatnot, but it's, you know, there are going to be certain things that do clump, together um you know the lighthouse is, is another big issue up in saskatoon that is always like that's been a contentious issue as far as different opinions um forever um or ever since its existence um and again you can sort of tell certain affiliations based on like for the most part um the candidates in saskatoon who are supporters of the lighthouse and want to keep it where it is also 
tended to uh, score well on the out Saskatoon um, okay, scorecard yeah. on, on LGBTQ issues. Um, and people who are like either shut it down or move it out of downtown tended to be worse. But again, those are, those are a lot less cut and dry like they are in, in party politics. So yeah. it, uh, it, it can make, it can make figuring out who you want to support tougher as well, because you don't necessarily know who aligns with your issues just based on one or two sort of points on a graph. Right. You can't, yeah. It's not, just not as obvious. Yeah. And I think you and I both ran into that over the last two weeks when researching this too. Um, you know, where do people fall, you know, and, and, and all of that. Yeah. You got to almost uh, read into some of the things that they say, to, yeah. Like even a lot of this stuff, it's they say the same things. Every candidate says the same things, so it's hard yeah. to even know like what, like how are these different in, in yeah. any way? <laughs> and you know, in municipal politics, again, and I talk about this. There's that draw to the center. Um, you know the people you're impacting, right. so like I think it's easy, or at least easier, for someone in. Ottawa or Washington or a state capital or a provincial capital even um, to go, this doesn't affect someone I'm ever going to see in my life. Yeah. Um, and that's across the political spectrum, right? Like, so like you and I are obviously both very progressive. Um, but I think even from the other side, like the idea of someone in Ottawa, they, they don't care about a business owner in, or sorry, they don't have that direct link to a business owner in, downtown Edmonton. That's right. right? Yeah. Like, that doesn't, they're, they're, they're not going to bump into that person walking down the street in the same way that on the other end of the political spectrum there, you know, someone in, in Ottawa is not going to bump into a homeless person living in Moncton. Right. right? So the, the decisions they make are a little bit more removed. Um, a city councilor in Regina is going to have direct interactions with homeless people in Regina and is going to have direct interactions with business owners in yeah. China. They're going to have direct interactions with, um, th like, the Pride Parade will affect their life in one way or another on that day, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, there's, there's, you know, all sorts of things across the, the political spectrum are going to impact them. How the money is spent, how the tax dollars are spent. It's it's a smaller sample size, so decisions have a bigger impact. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, like. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I guess you said it pretty succinctly. <laughs> There's not much to add. <laughs> yeah, but again, I guess sort of what it comes down to is I think um, sort of what initially sparked me down this train of thought. I think Fougere has probably moved to the left um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. In, in his eight years. Cause I think he, and again, he was on city council for quite some time beforehand. It's not like he's new. He's, it's not his first rodeo. Right. Um, but I think he's become more progressive. Um, but that is the impression I get. Uh, like – reading his website and looking at uh, yeah. like his Facebook and stuff. He seems like a, I mean, maybe like you say, not as progressive as I might like, but not on the opposite of me entirely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, my, some of my biggest concerns with him had always been around um, some of the, those ties to the construction industry, the home builders association. There, there are some, there are some things there as to, uh, is he deciding what's best for the city or is he deciding what's best for people whose pockets he's yeah. friends with, right? Yeah, and um, it's hard to tell, right? It's hard to tell, but I also think that's one of those things where 
I think the stereotype is, is after a long time in politics, it becomes more likely to be corrupt for lack of a, a better term. Right. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe this is just a, a faulty impression I'm getting of Fougere, or maybe it's a feature of municipal politics overall, or maybe it's just, you know, how, how it happened to be. I, I almost get the impression for him it's been the other way around. It's, it's as he's been longer and longer in the role, his prioritizing has, has shifted more towards the city itself rather than individual um, interest groups within it. So, right, right. Uh, I, I, I mean, maybe that's as ignoring the extreme stuff that goes on sometimes in, in the U S and in the news. Uh, I think that as society as a whole is moving sl- slightly more progressive and maybe that's a yes, uh, yeah. response. Maybe he's responding to that and, yeah. and yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's not, uh, that, that's not, uh, you know, a bad, a bad perception of it. And, and then obviously like when it comes to social issues, there's obviously a heck of a lot more, um, than just LGBTQ issues. That's when I see the most. So like, I, I think about things like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, it was like 10 years ago, a mayor, joining or not joining a pride parade it probably you could if you were to guess it could go probably either way them joining right, or them right. not joining it probably wouldn't even make the medium like and maybe it would but like it it would no one would be shocked either direction right. a few people but like 20 years ago it was bold and shocking for the uh, you know civic leadership to participate but and now it's gone to the like if a mayor Unless there was a major significant reason for them not to participate, yeah, it would be weird for them not to participate. Yeah, they really ought to be there, right? <laughs> and I, I think I think you see that in a number of um, a number of other uh, social issues as well. Um, uh, so I think I I think your 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 thesis that things have in general gone to the the left or more progressive is. Things progress, right? So that's, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Um, and then of course, I think you talk about those extremes. I think it's those extremes may even just be, you know, a symptom of the backlash. Yeah, um, I yeah. don't want to. I don't want to brush it off and not take it seriously by just saying it's like the dying gasp. I know. Um, I think. I think I, uh, groups that I communities that I've been a member of in the past have made that mistake, and yeah. then, and then things have gotten slightly worse in some ways. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. That said, we've talked a lot about the mayor, uh, mayoral race last week, and I think I think it's fairly safe to say you sort of have those three or four candidates that are are actually vying for uh, have a shot at it. Yeah. Um, you know, Fiaco is probably slightly more progressive than Fougere, but it's hard to tell. Um, you know, Flagel's maybe slightly more to the left. Yeah, um, Masters seems a little bit more to the right, but yeah. uh, but. Uh, she does seem to have oh I guess I can't say that I before last week I saw a lot more of her stuff all over the city and then this week I saw a lot more of Flagel's stuff all over the city yeah. so I guess it's hard to know <laughs> it's, and it probably depends on what part of the city you go to and whatnot as well yeah, right? yeah. Um, and uh, I think as far as like targeted Facebook ads. I've, I've probably still seen more of masters this week. I think she's the only one I've seen just okay. sort of pop up on my, my Facebook is scrolling on by as far as mayor. Um, so that's, 
I've seen a lot of uh, my uh, candidate for Ward 5, Rodney Francis. I've okay. seen, <laughs> seen a lot of his ads on Facebook. <laughs> and I, I, I see a lot of, of Ted Gillettas. Um, but one, it's the, I'm paying attention to looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And two, obviously, like I talk about him. Yeah. Um, so if you hit a like, good. then next time, it, <laughs> yeah. then so, it's going to be one years again. So I was going to say, I think, I think last week we, we talked about Regina public school board trustees as much as we need to. Um, right. I think we talked about, I think, especially even now we've talked a little more probably about mayor as much as we've need to in Regina. Yeah. Last week we touched base a little bit on Saskatoon mayor, but not a lot. And then I think the city councils for the two cities, um, uh, we talked about Saskatoon a little bit last week, and I think I put up some information on um, uh, our, our Facebook page about sort of their views on the library. Um, I think what I'll do after this, um, there's a, um, a really good article about um, the, the lighthouse and some of their thoughts on that. I think that can shape things, but we can talk about some of that to agree to, to a degree as well uh, today. I almost said tonight, but today. <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, but then I think, you know, maybe Saskatoon mayor and um, the city councils in both cities. And I think we're... That'll be our... More trustees in Saskatoon. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I've tried to look. They have a, a whole bunch of acclamations. Okay. Um, I think they have four acclamations in Saskatoon um, as far as um, uh, school board trustee. Now, they have more subdivisions i'm just taking a look here i think as far as subdivisions go i want to say they have i know they have 10 wards i'm trying to look up the subdivisions percentage but i know they have more than regina um but it's still a matter of um a lot of acclamations there so we'll we'll go through that what do you want to talk about first though do we want to talk about saskatoon Mayor, uh, do we want to talk about city council in Regina? Let's let's start with uh, the mayor in Saskatoon. All right. So we've got, uh, I guess, Don Atchison, uh, Charlie Clark, Rob Norris, Zubair Sheik, uh, Kerry Tarasoff, and Mark Z- Zilke. Zilke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, I guess, a, a couple fewer uh, candidates than we have, but it's still a lot of people to choose from. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think the divide there is maybe a little more stark than Regina. Um, and maybe it's a perception thing. Um, but, um, you know, you, you definitely have a, a fairly, I want to say, right-wing candidate in, in Don Atchison. Um, Rob Norris was um a, a member of the the Saskatchewan party. Okay. Um Yeah, I, I knew that name sounded familiar actually. Yeah. Um and then you have uh Charlie Clark, you know, being being a fairly progressive um a, fa- a fairly progressive candidate. Um would you say I mean I know we're kind of just uh guessing here but Yeah. Would you say that Saskatoon is a progressive city or is it more of a conservative city? I would say it's definitely more progressive than Regina okay. by, by far. Um, yeah. You know what? I would even just flat out say it's a, it's a progressive city. Like, okay. I don't, I don't even, 
even without the contrast. <laughs> yeah, I, was just saying, I don't even think I need to qualify that. Like, is it San Francisco or Vancouver? No. <laughs> it's still in Saskatchewan. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a university town. Um, it's a, and I think that that influences it. And, and I don't think, sure. um, you know, Saskatchewan, you know, Regina, like Regina is a government town and often government town tends to shift people left as well, but government left wing and academic left wing are very different left wing. Uh, yeah. Those are different things for sure. <laughs> um, and, and, and working class left wing is sort of its own thing as well. Yeah, right? that's right. Um, it's, it's neither city is Hamilton. Um, yeah, uh, to pick so. a Canadian example, I was going to go with Philadelphia. <laughs> so I was going right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Hamilton, the Canadian, you know, the Canadian equivalent of Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'd be complimented or insulted <laughs> by that. Uh, <laughs> um, Let's say they should uh, take it as a compliment. <laughs> sure, that sounds good. Um, Anyways, so I know I definitely think it is it is a more progressive town. Okay, so um, I mean, that's... I, I'm also yeah my. I, I'm always going to have my, my skewed views because I know like a lot of a lot of connections that I have in Saskatoon are are, are even progressive for a, pro, a progressive. Okay, yeah, a progressive city, <laughs> so, right? So yeah, but yeah, no. Um, and then I think the other three candidates, not to disparage them, um, but you know, you know, Zubair Sheikh, uh, Kerry Tarasov, and Mark Zielke. I, I I haven't me, I haven't heard a lot about either one um i'm one of them i had heard something recently but like um again it was sort of one of those i don't it was one of those i don't think he's going to win but i think he'd be good if he did type things right um and so i i think you're probably and i think charlie clark is likely to win okay i think i i think um, I think he probably would have won either way, but I think having both Norris and Atchison on the ballot splits the okay. anti-Charlie Clark vote. Um, Do you think like Norris is going to draw that many votes from Atchison? <laughs> Maybe. Again, it, it, <laughs> I was spoiled all of last week when it came to political prognostication because there was so much data. Oh yeah, and that's now, true. And now I'm now I'm I'm, I'm feeling the lack of data. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, where's the polling? Where's come on? Yeah, where's the polling? I want to I want to check these numbers as they're coming in. Yeah. Um, I think he will. I think. Long story short, I think like you even you know a few minutes ago said, "Oh, I thought I recognized that name from somewhere." Yeah. And that's a big uh, part of voting, right? Like if you For recognize sure a name, then. For sure. Well, they've even done studies on what name appears first or second in order on the ballot. Right. Right. Like these are things that people like that, you know, subtle biases that impact things. Um, uh, I think Charlie Clark has, has built up a lot of name recognition as mayor. It, it's not one of those things where, um, people go, Oh, who is, who is mayor again? <laughs> right. Um, right. Like it, it's, it's a name that stands out. Um, you know, just in, in Re Regina, even 10 years from now, most people, if you say the name Pat Fiaco, we're going to go, Oh yeah, I know who that is. Oh yeah. That's uh, right. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's going to be a name that's, that sticks around for a while. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the mayor before, <laughs> but he was like the mayor before Pat Fiaco had been in office 
for ages. Like he, it wasn't as if he was a, a, a short serving mayor, but like you, you sort of have that follow up with a rock star mayor, um, whether you like his policies or not. Right. Right. Definitely, like he was the one traveling around the world. He was off being a, a, an Olympic judge. He was doing all sorts of things that have his name in the, the media all the time. Um, so like, and I think Charlie Clark isn't like, he's only been there one term. He's not going to have that same indelible imprint on Saskatoon that Fiaco has yet. No garniture. I, I was in the process of looking that up, right? Um, you, you beat me to it. Um, yeah. But like, when you say his name, like, oh yeah, right. Of course. I, Makes no, sense. I think, I think he's involved with an insurance company now. Um, but it's, it, it, I think Charlie Clark is doing the, the name is, is it having his name out there. Enough. Right. Um, I, I think he did. I, I think he's the opposite of um, Fougere in some degrees in that he campaigned to the left and got pulled to the center from that side. Whereas I think Fougere, I think when he was campaigning, he was on the right and got pulled towards the center. Um, but I don't know if in the history of progressive politics, in a hundred and however many years Canada has existed, you know, 150 some odd years Canada has been around. If there has ever been a candidate at any level of government that has ran progressive, who hasn't governed more centrist than they've campaigned. Oh yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> that's, it's the famous thing about the liberals, right? They, they campaign to the left and they govern to the right. Yeah. Um, but like NDP who get in provincially do the exact same thing yep. um, in any province they've ever won. Um, we don't have a federal example, but like they, that, that is just what happens with progressive candidates. And I think part of that is the practical concerns start coming in and, and maybe the centrist in me sees it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, but, I think there's gotta be something said about the pressure of like, you have to justify things to the opposition in a sense. Right. Yeah. So it, I mean, you can't always be the rabid radical, even if, yeah. you know, once you're in power. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I was actually thinking, you know, there might be some exceptions where someone has campaigned as a centrist and then governed more progressive than they've campaigned. <laughs> um, my fingers are maybe partially crossed and off the right <laughs> now for our, our neighbors to the south on that front. That would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, or the other way around, too. It's the, um, what's the famous line? Um, only Nixon can go to China. Um, the idea that um, Nixon was the first president to re uh, sort of rewarm diplomatic relations with China, but only uh, an ultra conservative Republican yeah, could yeah. be the one to travel to China and start thawing relations there because no one is going to come out and accuse Nixon of being a communist. Right. Yeah. Right. Or a communist sympathizer just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I think you have that phenomenon to some degree in both in the directions as well. Right. It's that middle of the road, milk toast um, centrist Democrat or liberal or whatever that can, that can be more radical when the you know, rubber hits the road. And by the same virtue, um, it sometimes the um, it can sometimes be the uh, conservatives who run as oh I'm safe and boring and you don't have to be scared of me that sometimes chip away at 
uh, civil rights. Like Stephen Harper campaigned as a centrist. Like Stephen right, Harper, yeah. he was like if you look at Stephen Harper, he was compared to Stockwell Day. Compare him to Preston Manning. Um, trying to remember if there was another. In retrospect, uh, those comparisons don't fit, right? <laughs> yeah, like Man- Manning has now become like almost centrist compared to the the conservative party. Um, wow. But like Harper came in as the oh no no. The reason that the conservatives couldn't win or the reform party or the alliance party or whichever name they went by at, at any given time, um, the conservative reform alliance party was my favorite just because of the acronym. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Harper came in as this, oh, no, no, I can win where Stockwell they couldn't because I was talking the, the 905 effect, right? People living in that 905 area code, the suburbs around Toronto, the, you know, right, early right. 40s, working, you know, commute into Toronto, white collar job, but they want their kids to still like them and they don't want their kids to think of them as a homophobe um, or racist or what have you. They couldn't vote for Stockwell Day and keep a, a clean conscience, but they could vote for Stephen Harper because he's safe and fine and boring. Right. And then he gets in and is a lot more insidious about some of the stuff, right? Um, so sort of chips away at things and, and shifts things to a social right. Um, and again, we're in Canada. In Canada, we're lucky to have a um, an actual independent Supreme Court that was, <laughs> yeah. was largely the opposition for those. I'm not even talking remotely about provincial politics anymore, so I'll get back on top. <laughs> you, have, you have that decade of the, the actual opposition for right. the Harper government wasn't the liberals or the NDP. It was, it was the Supreme court. Yeah. Um, but shifting back locally here that, you know, I think, uh, I, I think Clark is, is suffering from what a lot of progressives have to suffer through on their second term. What Obama went through on his second term is you do have the true believers become a little disillusioned. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think he, I think he will win with a majority, not just a plurality. But I definitely think he has. He's like I think he he's going to win at the very least with a strong plurality because Atchison and Norris will split that that other side. Yeah. I got this article from uh, the CBC on five issues that are. Uh, you know, asking the mayors, mayor, Saskatoon mayoral candidate candidates about these issues. And the first one is property taxes. And it looks like, uh, Charlie Clark is the only one who's saying, yeah, we need to increase some taxes. Uh, the other, uh, Rob Norris and Don Atchison are like, nope, no, no increase in taxes. 1% in 2021. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. Like I, I, <laughs> taxes are never going to be popular. No. Um, but so. but they're necessary, like yep. in the way things are. Right? We uh, <laughs> we have to pay for things, I guess. <laughs> so I, I had this discussion with my kids. I, I, I was probably about, about a year or two ago. So they would have been like eight and ten at the time. And there's you know we, we we're a pr- pretty politically um, uh, talkative house. Um, you know, it's a thing they, they've, they've understood. They, they, they probably have a, a stronger understanding of politics than most kids. Right. Um, but we were talking about and, and one of them's like, you know, I understand taxes are necessary, but I, I still don't think they're good. And I'm like, you know, I, I hear you. And no one likes paying less money. But it's not just that it pays for these other things. 
they are also a cheaper way of paying for things. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's this thing where, you know, you're comparing it to pizza, right? You can buy a little tiny six inch individual pizza for, you know, for the same amount that you would chip in to get, you know, several pieces of an extra large or if you have a big group and you get more pizza, right? right? Like right. pound for pound, dollar for dollar. Um, you, you just plain get more food by <laughs> chipping in with a big group of people. Than but you I'm do. paying for other people's pizza, David. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, and there might be some pizza there that I don't like. Yeah, well, and that's there, right. Like, there's, there's plenty of pizza that I do like. <laughs> but there also might be like someone might get vegetarian. Yeah, and I can't let. I, I'm not I paying for that. <laughs> I don't want to pay for vegetarian. Yeah, like, but there's ten pizzas, right? Like <laughs> there's fifty of us. We're all chipping in. There's ten pizzas. There's gonna, you know, yeah. And, and, and maybe, maybe you know, we're gonna get three pepperoni, three this, and two. Like maybe you won't get the exact pizza you want, but you'll get really close on one of these choices. Yeah, and you don't have to eat the ones you're not eating. It's like, oh well, we can save money just by not getting any vegetarian. <laughs> That's not how this works. Um, but then that dude has no choice; they don't get any pizza. <laughs> right. And again, like, if I like, I live on a cul-de-sac, so I've got. I'm just. I've never actually counted the number of houses, but I've probably got fifteen to twenty houses on my street. Right. If the 20 of us were to all chip in and pay for the road we live on to be built and to continue paying for road maintenance and pay for snow removal and pay for this and pay for that and pay for all of the things that roads cost, that cost divided 20 ways is still going to be significantly (laughs) higher, significantly higher than the costs of all of the roads in the entire city split 250,000 ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just like, um, and this is one of those ones where it's the like, Oh, why do rich people um, have to pay more in taxes? It's like, cause we benefit more. <laughs> like the amount of road that the 20 of us share is the same amount of road that 500 people living in an apartment that they rent share. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And and there's all sorts of services that are are of a similar ilk um, where typically the higher your income, the higher wealth, your net worth or whatever metric you want to use, it's very likely the more you benefit from those services that you pay for. Even basic things like policing and fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I benefit more from a fire department than someone who has a less expensive house than me. Even if they're a homeowner, I benefit more sheerly by the fact that what I ha- like, I am paying to prevent the loss of an asset worth X. They are paying to prevent the loss of an asset worth half of X. Right. Right. Um, conversely, someone who has a house worth double mine or triple mine is, is benefiting double or triple when I benefit because yeah. they're protecting against um, and same a with greater loss. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um, I think it's important when we think about taxes to think it's not just this altruistic thing. We're not just paying for some <laughs> poor person who's not like, we're also chipping in for our own best interest and we're, yeah. we're, we're chipping in and splitting things. And then, you know, I, I know you're, you're far more of a, an anarchist than I am. So there, there's obviously an argument that can be made for 
um, cooperatives and right. um, all yeah. voluntary collective action and accomplishing the same goal through voluntary participation rather than state coercion. But dollars and cents wise, it works out <laughs> the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's where we are today, right? We're not at a point where no, that's right. all of us collectively choose to participate um, in, in road building. And yeah, like the city has a crew that goes out and fixes potholes. They yeah. get paid an hourly wage to do that. Yeah. We can discuss whether or not that's a fair wage or whatever. But if uh, me and some buddies go out and buy a bunch of asphalt and we go and we try to fill in as many potholes as we can. I mean, sure, we're doing a good thing and we're doing a community service, but we're going to be less efficient than people who do that as their job all Absolutely. the time. So, so I think that's where the taxing comes in. It is, and, and I think if we can get, and I, and I, maybe this is a pipe dream on me of getting past this, but if we can get past this concept that, you know, taxes are theft or we're not paying, we're paying for other people's stuff or all of that. If we can get past that, then we can start having much more grounded conversations in now, what do we want? Now, now how do we want to spend this? Like now yeah. we can talk about what type of pizza to buy. Now we can talk about, is it worth getting a meat lovers instead of just a pepperoni? Is it worth what do we want to get just two plain vegetarians or we want to get one vegetarian and one Mediterranean vegetarian, right? Like it's, <laughs> right. now we can, is it worth the cauliflower crust? I don't know. <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can start having more tangible conversations around. We know we're going to be spending, we know we're going to be paying taxes. We know this is a collective thing. Collectively, is it worth building a new stadium? Collectively, is it worth Best buying a new library or spending money on this part of the library. How how will these things impact? You know, is the added prestige and and, and to some extent potentially revenue from a hundred and fifty million dollar library um, balance out the extra cost compared to a hundred million dollar library? Right, like these can be real solid policy conversations we can start having. Yeah. If we can get past the roadblock of, oh, I just don't want to pay taxes at all. Right. Yeah. Or I I never wanted a tax increase. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like to some degree, like it would be great. Like if we can keep, if we find the right level for the mill rate, that would be perfect. You know, it's property values will go up over time. um, Business values will go up over time. We should be able to balance things out, but things change. Cities grow. We need to we need to be able to fine tune that needle, and for the most part, it is fine tuning that you're dealing with. When you're talking about a point one percent increase or right, even a one yeah. percent or a two percent, it, it is it is certainly fine tuned. It's not yeah, it's not a huge huge difference, right? Yeah. So um, I think for Saskatoon, the city, the the, the mayor race um, is really going to come down to the, those three. And um, I'll be you know I'll certainly be checking the stats, and if it turns out you know the other three had. Um, a surprise showing that I just wasn't aware of because I don't live in Saskatoon. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll swallow my pride next week, but in a very real way, it's it. yeah, it's like here, like in, in Regina too. Like you can pick, these are the three, maybe four that are most likely to get the most vo- votes. Uh, and I mean, I appreciate that these other people are trying, but they're, uh, they're just not really standing much of a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely a uh, an accurate uh, an accurate pro- you know projection of what's happening there. Um, 
So as far as um, city council in Saskatoon, again, we talked last week a little bit about um, the, uh, the, the the library and how that impacts things. Um, there are some um, issues around the, the lighthouse and, and moving the lighthouse. I couldn't get a, a an exact um, candidate by candidate breakdown of thoughts. Um, there's an, a good article that was put out by the Star Phoenix sort of that summarized it. And again, I'll put that up on our Facebook page for people to, to look at themselves. Um, what I do find interesting, and again, it's this coded language thing. I don't think I could find a single candidate that says shut the thing down. Okay. But what you do have is you have a lot of people talking about moving it with very vague <laughs> language around where that would get moved right. to or what that would, what that would look like. Um, so I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's, that's certainly a, um, uh, I think, I, I think that's coded language, to be honest. I think if someone's talking about moving something like the lighthouse with absolutely no plan on where they're going to move it to, they're that's moving, someone yeah. wants to close it and doesn't want to say they want to close yeah, it. Yeah, they're closing it. Or <laughs> they, yeah, that's their like plan. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, and so, I mean, not to, a place like that, it needs to be where the people who need it are. Yes. So moving it is like, I don't know. It feels like let's shuffle these people out of the place they're used to. Like, I don't yeah. know. Nope. 100%. Into someplace um, more, uh, I don't know, aesthetically pleasing to uh, someone. Yeah. Business interest. Um, yeah. It's like, I was just taking a glance here. Um, Mark uh, Zielke has said he has five potential new locations, but he's not going to tell the, he's not going to disclose <laughs> where they are. So he hasn't actually done a plan. Like he just thought and up. He's got five locations picked out, but he is revealing them to the same degree that Donald Trump revealed his health care plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's totally there. It's the best. Yeah. I have the best places. It's an indie thing, right? You know, he, he, maybe yeah. he does have five places picked out, but he doesn't want to say where those are because the people who live there don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, I could uh, see that. Because a lot of people do have that not in my backyard. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so in city council up in Saskatoon, um, you know, sort of ward by ward, um, you know, ward one, I, again, I, Garen Hill is the incumbent there. Um, I, I haven't heard, like, yeah, it's one of those ones where, I'm not hearing a lot of good things or bad things. Okay. Um, I, I've heard good things about Kyla Kitzel, or at least okay. But okay. again, she's very, very new. Um, I, I don't think she has a lot of political experience. Um, uh, in in Ward 2, um, Hillary Goff is the incumbent. I think she's, you know, probably. Uh, probably the stronger of the two candidates from a progressive standpoint. Okay. Again, I don't know much about um, cast leader. Um, Ward three. Um, again, it's one of those ones where um, there's t like, it probably, I think it may have just taking a look here. Um, probably the Oof. largest number of candidates. Yeah, Holy cow. Like one, two, three, four, eight candidates. Eight, yeah. Um, 
David Curtin has the name recognition because he's a radio host, um, but he's like a conservative radio host. Okay. Um, Kick him out. I believe. <laughs> um, I, I, again, I, he's not one I listen to. Um, that, that being said, I believe he is indigenous. Okay. Um, so I, 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 again, that doesn't always say anything. Like uh, right, if you can right. be conservative and indigenous. Um, I've heard positive things about Nick Sackville. I've heard positive things about Chris Sakot. I don't know much about the others. Um, you know, we move into Ward 4. I, that one I've heard virtually nothing about. Um, Looks like it's Troy Davies just has it. Is he, Oh, you know what? He's, yeah, he's a acclamation. So that's maybe why I haven't heard anything. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Word four in Regina is the one that's acclaimed as well. Word four is the magic number. What? You want to yeah. get into politics. That's the one you want go, to go, go for. Word four. Not a lot of competition. Yeah. And it's funny, right? You know, you have word, word three, you know, eight people, word four, one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something different you need to going on the there, world. right? Yeah. Um, Randy Donauer, again, he's in word five. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't heard tons um i what i have heard hasn't been great um paul miazga i've heard okay um i I think he's um you know one of the things he this out saskatoon put out a report card of um all of the candidates in um in saskatoon for mayor city council school board trustees um the one answer that he gave, like he, his answers were actually pretty good for most part. I think they gave him a, like a B rating. Okay. But the one, I'm just going to read it because it just, there is, to my mind, there is no single motion that council can pass short of eliminating the city's debt that would magically solve any specific issues for the 2S LGBTQ community or any other marginalized group that, for that matter. And part of me is like, if the only way you can see addressing issues of marginalized people is eliminating the city's debt. And you don't know what the issues. <laughs> you, yeah. That, and again, well, a lot of the other answers are, are okay. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's not a very, that, that, that's an answer that just has me going like, yeah. Um, so you got word six, you got Cynthia block as the incumbent. Um, I, you know, I think she's uh, a relatively strong city councilor there. Um, I don't know much about the, the people running against her. Um, uh, I think there's just the one, uh, oh no, two. There's, uh, I think Lee Cormish and Jonathan Naylor both seem again. And I almost sound like a broken record and I feel bad about that. (laughs) There's just not a lot of info. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Marin Lowen, um, seems to be again, a, a pretty, um, a, a very strong progressive city councilor um, without living in the city. And, you know, there may be issues where she's not progressive that I just don't know about. Um, I, 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 from everything I understand though, she's, she's been a, a strong voice for being a strong progressive voice on their city council. Okay. Um, I think one of the candidates running against her is Jim road, who, again, I think his platform um, actually both him and, Darcy Warrington, I think their platforms have been fairly progressive as well. But it's, again, comparing comparing a platform to action is always tricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's easy, you know, easy to be progressive in a platform. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you can promise all kinds of things. Moving <laughs> to Ward 8, you got uh, Serena Gersher. Again, she's on the city council, not heard anything bad, heard very little about um, the opponents here. Rob, Ron Nantica is, again, it's a name. I think there's a little bit of name recognition there. Um, but uh, it's it's... Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to uh, go into some of these. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I think for people who live in Saskatoon, um, you know, I know part of why we're here is to give information for people to reference. But I think it's one of those times where individual uh, people are going to, you know, if they look into their own ward, they might be able to dig deeper than we could by looking into all you know, of them at once. Yeah. Thirty across two cities. Yeah. Um, and then finally got Ward 10, um, where the incumbent Zach Jeffries, um, you know, from what I've heard, you know, not bad things, not nothing amazing, but nothing, nothing awful. Um, but um, it's one, just trying to see here. No. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and we were talking Ward Six. It was Cynthia Taylor. I was just going back through some of my oh, notes. Okay. I'd reached out to some people in Saskatoon who live there um, and asked them about their own. And um, I had a pretty, uh, pretty strong endorsement of Cynthia Block in in Ward Six. Okay, uh, as a as a strong candidate, but I got sort of lines up with what I had sort of surmised when looking over them as well. So that's that's the city council in Saskatoon. I don't know if you would. At least that's my very superficial high level rundown of <laughs> yeah like i I have almost no idea who any of these people are <laughs> so yeah i I would be I would almost think it's like oh maybe a little irresponsible of me to expound too much on <laughs> on them fair um. And I think again for school board trustee, you know, they, they I did look it up while we were talking about some other stuff. They have ten different. Uh, they call them it's ward, it, wards in Saskatoon subdivisions in Regina. Yeah. Um, but that they have ten wards for trustee there. Um, do they for, use the same borders for their city council wards as they do for school board trustee wards? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, they may. That would actually make sense. It would seem to be a logical way of doing it, unlike Regina's. <laughs> Where they're all over the place. Seven and ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird, right? Of, of, of all of the elections, and I, I going a little bit anecdotal here, but um, when I was first talking with uh, Ted Gilletta about running and we were talking about campaigning and the costs and you know he was trying to figure out where to you know where to invest resources I'm, i i my first thought was oh well you know it's it's city council so it's um you're gonna have or not city council it's, it's a school board so you're gonna have a smaller area to cover and, da, 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 da. and then sort of went on and then i went back and looked no it's completely opposite school board trustee <laughs> covers a larger area has more constituents per trustee than city council or mlas so uh, that does seem <laughs> odd doesn't it and i just actually I, I can check now and i'm just trying to look at the uh Members of Parliament. I don't know how many members of Parliament or how many ridings there are um, 
in Regina, but I, again, I think school board trustee has the biggest, if not like one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, sort of constituency map um, for who they, who they cover. Um, I you know. I think um, federally it's slightly, slightly uh, less, but it's close. So um anyway so the they do cover a lot of space in regina so i don't know if seven is the right number you know saskatoon does 10 but in any case um i think that may you know contribute to why they have so many acclamations and so many like i think they have four acclamations i don't know if they have more than two people running in any ward for school board trustee i'm just taking a look over the list here and I, I think it's, yeah, it's either one or two people running per riding. Okay. Whereas Regina, we have no acclamations in out of the seven. Um, and we range anywhere from two through four people running per, per subdivision. So, um, and we also had, you know, a, a much bigger controversy in Regina. Yeah, that's I think, right. I think for the most part, people kind of go, well, school board trustees are going to do a lot of dotting I's and crossing T's. And, and, you know, again, it's important work, you know, what percentage of funds go where, um yep. is critical again if i uh you know if i were in a position where i could send out a, a quick survey um to candidates and get them responding you know maybe in four years from now when our our saskatchewan political podcast is internationally famous uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, i can have the prestige to be like here fill out the survey one of the things i would ask you know is around things like police and schools right like yeah. there are some issues that are more fundamental but for the most part you're dealing with like i don't know if you're going to find a lot of school board trustees in in a normal year who are going to be openly opposed to the indigenization of school curriculum right right like that's that's a pretty mainstream idea right now yeah um, even if just on the surface like even if just giving it lip service it's going to be a thing that you're going to find very few candidates who say no no i don't think that's a thing we should do <laughs> but you are going to have differences of opinion on, on yeah how you yeah that's true yeah um, i would i would be shocked actually like if i heard a school board trustee say no we should not be teaching more indigenous uh cultural uh programs or you know whatnot yeah. like i would be just blown away yeah. Other than behind closed doors. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I think that yeah. I think yeah. that is where you and and that's again it makes it tough. But I think publicly you're 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 absolutely right. Um and then it just comes down to so we're not dealing for the most part of choosing between two candidates who are, you know, either pro or against. You're dealing with um, you know, Two candidates who are pro but have slightly different strategies on, on how to accomplish that, right, right yeah do you bring in like is this do you bring in indigenous elders from local communities or do you bring in an indigenous academic right right uh, yeah or both or you know 75 percent more 25 percent the other like, you're, you're dealing with some of those more nuanced areas um do you have you know um what what voice, if any, do you give to um, non-indigenous experts on indigenization? Right, um, right. Yeah. Like uh, these are these are going to be questions that you'll need to figure out. Uh, how do you discuss decolonization if you do? And like these are yeah. yeah there's a lot there's a lot of nuance to the top topic actually. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to have that in 
a campaign and no. it's really tough to know until they're in that role. And and once they are in that role, it's really tough to get a majority of the people who are going to vote one way or another in, a, in an election to make those calls, yeah. right? Like when Ted first asked me to um, uh, help him with his campaign, um, almost a year ago now when we first had that sit down, like those were questions I was able to ask him and right. he gave answers I was very impressed with. Um, so uh, like... <laughs> that was great. But even now, like he like that's not something that comes up. It's not something that he gets asked about. Right. Um, it's interesting. So I know it. But. It's interesting that we have uh, like uh, LGBTQ organization that can that can that can put out this report card and these survey questions. Like, uh, do we have any uh, indigenous based people's organizations that could do something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, or ha- or have they? And I just haven't seen it. I don't- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. That could, be, that could be my failing and my sort of having that privilege and, and being not exposed enough to those other, like to other communities. Um, and to some extent, um, how do you ensure, like, it's cyclical. How do you ensure communities feel they have the political power? to enable them to right. ask those questions in the first place. Yeah. Um, because once a community starts to feel like their questions aren't being answered, it, it takes a lot of emotional labor to continue asking those questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 maybe that's something, um, you know, I should put more, uh, I, I will put more work into looking into as well for myself, not, not necessarily for this election. Cause you know, we're voting tomorrow. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, and what we can do to ensure that we're supporting that. Um, the, the, with regards to those surveys, though, one of the interesting things is like Saskatoon survey was done by out Saskatoon. Um, right. So a, a longstanding organization that that's been around, does amazing things for the community up in Saskatoon has a, has a permanent, you know, offices that they work out of that they use to support the community. Like it, it's, and they really nice offices. They moved just over a year ago. Um, so they're doing this like as a kind of a, an official non, you know, non-governmental or non-profit organization. Okay, yeah. um, and they were able to ask it across all levels of people running. Regina's version was, so from the best I could tell, a guy. Like a guy decided this should be done and he got some other people and I think he's not the only one involved. Um, but basically he sent out an email personally to the school board trustees asking them a series of questions. Um, and it was very informal. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I have some concerns with his methodology on how he, how he scored people. Okay. Um, I'm still incredibly impressed with the amount of labor he put into doing <laughs> right. it as an yeah. individual. Whereas Saskatoon, if you take a look at the out Saskatoon survey, um, they clearly outline their methodology. So Regina, they say what the five questions, they just do school board trustees. If you look at the survey, they say what the five questions are and they, they give the letter grade and they give these, they show what the answers are for each candidate. And then he gives them a letter grade. So okay. it's, it's still very transparent. Um, it's not like he's hiding things and you can go and see the answers. Right. Whereas Saskatoon, um, out Saskatoon, gives a complete breakdown of their methodology. They say every answer is scored on a scale of um, 
so they, they've got 10 different categories. Each category is rated on a scale of one to 10. They total up the rating in each of those 10 categories. Um, and then they apply that to a letter grade chart and then assign that letter grade to the candidate. Um, and their answers aren't based on, um, yeah, their, their answers aren't based just on sort of how do they formulaically answer the question. There's other, um, there's other things that get brought into the mix as well. Um, so, um, and, and lived experience comes into play for the Saskatoon one. And again, they give what that breakdown is. They, they outline here's how we score non, um, uh, like lived experience things, things that are unrelated to just the answers they gave on a survey. Um, and again, I, I, I may agree or disagree with some of the things they put in their chart for what scores points for lived experience. Um, I, I think some of them are questionable, mm. um, but at least they're very being very clear on, on how they're doing it. Whereas again, the, the Regina one was a little bit more sort of, here, here's my gut reaction to the answer. Right, so. right. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, like you say, like one kind of went very like, this is our official basis yeah. that we're doing this. And the other was much more informal. And, and I mean, uh, I guess that can be about valuable, right? Like, but, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, it's not very scientific. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I'm just looking at this election, re municipal election report card on, uh, two spirit uh, LGBTQ topics. <laughs> And Don Atchison, great F, no answer received, percent zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not good. No, no. So, um, and some of those, you know, grades of Fs, if someone just doesn't fill out the survey, I think in Atchison, it probably is. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I think for a mayoral candidate, for sure. Like if right. you're out Saskatoon is a major organization. Um, you're running for mayor. This is a, it's a real job. Obviously they're all real jobs, but like, this is a, this is a major political posting. This is, this is a political position with national importance. Like right. mayors are, are not federal politicians, but they are politicians with federal impact. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mayors of major cities. Um, and Saskatoon Regina, I think they're both in the, you know, top 10 most populous cities. So like, they, they have a sway definitely obviously on provincial, politics but they they, right. can, they can influence you know they go to the assembly of big city mayors uh, i can't remember what they're called but so for them that it, not filling out a survey that's I, I would say that's pretty pretty substantial for the school board trustee like once you get down to school board trustee I, maybe a little more leniency it, is warranted yeah, <laughs> like these people are running like i want them to take it seriously yeah the uh, when when the pride motion got voted down last year um the one city councilor who voted against that her defense was, you know, I just didn't have time to think of like, I didn't have time to read about it. We don't work over the summer. This is just my part-time job. I don't care. She didn't say that last time. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the others were, 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 they're not word for word, but we're essentially what she said. The, we, we're not paid to work over the summer was something she specifically said. Um, so I, I, I don't want it to be that. I think you right. need to take your job seriously. But to some extent, it is. It is a part-time job. You like um, it, it, it. Most people who work as a school board trustee are also working in a full-time job elsewhere. 
Yeah. Um, and especially when running for trustee, right? Um, that's they're they're working. They are almost certainly working a, a full time job elsewhere. A an email they get from an organization. <laughs> I, I, I can. I don't want to give them a pass, but I can. Right. To some degree, give them a little bit of a pass on. Okay, it makes sense why you didn't fill it out. Um, yeah, like mayor though, that's a little different. I. Yeah, I think, like you say, there's there's a distinction to be had between the email situation and actually voting against the pride motion. Uh, yes. You know, because you didn't have time to research it, like that <laughs> or whatever it has. Yes. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. And, and I think, I, and again, it's, it's this comparing actions to answers. Um, the Regina one, and I was trying to remember if I talked about this last week, because I've talked about it with a few people because it, it angered me. Um, one of the people running for school board trustee in Regina is Adam Hicks. He's the incumbent. Um, Adam Hicks was one of the people who voted for um, Alina's motion. He, he voted in support of that pride motion last year. Right. Um, so one of three, there's, um, you know, one of only three candidates or uh, trustees to vote for it. Um, and in that year, since then, he is one of the most active people in the city, actively recruiting other progressive candidates for school board trustee. Okay. Um, I like, I know for certain he had reached out to Ted and spoke to him and encouraged him to run. I know in at least one other riding, at least one other, he proactively went looking for other people who would be supportive of similar motions in the future. Right. We're supportive of, of progressive politics and said, Hey, you know, looking for, we need more, more people. people like you. <laughs> yeah. Come, come do this. Like, so like, really actively putting his money where his mouth is. Right. Then he gets this questionnaire from Queen City for All. And I looked at his answer. His answer is amazing. It, he answers all five questions that they asked. Right. But he did it in one long policy declaration. He didn't answer each of the five questions individually. Okay. He said, here, you know, here is my platform on these issues. And it was well-written. He wrote as much as any of the other candidates did. He just wrote it in a single policy platform that was well thought out. D minus. He got a C. And his opponent, I think think his opponent got a B plus, who, who, because, you know, answered it step by step. And I'm just like, this was not, (laughs) this is not a C answer. And, and it's not a C, um, it's not C actions either. Um, Right. And in fact, uh, like, both of the school board trustees who voted in favor of the pride motion last year got a lower rating than their opponent on the Queen City for All mm. pride report card. And it, like Adam Hicks got a, a C, the other one got a B plus. Or was, yeah, I think it was a B plus. And just happened to have an opponent who got an A plus. Um, so like I, I, I talked about that last week. I think both candidates in that that. Um, subdivision are, are good candidates, so I don't right, right. disparage. Um, I believe it's Safanuk. Um, I don't have the names in front of me for Regina, but um, it's always a shame when we have uh, two good candidates in the same yes <laughs> division. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, like I don't want to disparage him at all, but like to some extent, I think that needs to be noted when, if it's the very issue you're addressing, people who have actually put 
their money right. where their mouth is on that issue. Needs to be recognized. Yeah. There's, there should be some acknowledgement of that, um, even if it's not directly acknowledged within the letter grade. Um, yeah, and maybe it should be directly acknowledged within the letter grade as well. Maybe there needs uh, to be an asterisk beside yeah. the grade. Yeah. You know, this is this is someone who actively participated. The Adam Hicks one was the one who that did bother me more because it was like even even if you take like bias out of it, like I probably think it was an A A answer, but you know. Even if you say, okay, no, it was only a B answer, like it it got dropped from a B to a C because of formatting. Right. And someone's formatting on an answer doesn't tell me about yeah. their the- policy. I guess it's something <laughs> that tells me about how they, you know, he didn't treat that survey as important enough to write out specific answers explicitly for that survey. Right. He okay. used a pre-existing policy platform document. Um so that tells me he finds the issue important, maybe just not the organization that asked him the questions important. Maybe, yeah. Right? Because yeah. the issue is obviously important enough that he had a policy platform around it. Right, right. Right? Like if you already have a platform written out on an issue before getting the questionnaire, that tells me that issue is important to you. Yeah, for sure. Right? So anyways, that's that's my rant about <laughs> Adam Hicks. You know, um, not, you know. It, you know, it sounds like his opponent is, is strong on those issues as well. Well, it sounds like we don't have, like, we have some bad candidates in that election, but that's not, we also have some writings where it's, it's multiple good candidates running against each other. Right. Too, so. Um, so I think we were, we're sort of, I say running out of time a little bit here. Yeah, we're running pretty long. Regina, already, but... you you did you did more of the research on Regina City Council. <laughs> yeah, at least on a few of the writings than I did. Um, I would not say that I am. Talk? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm well informed on on the majority of the city, but I do know like uh, a friend of mine asked me to look into his ward, which was Ward Three. So I took a look at some of these uh, this this uh, the candidates in this ward and. You've got uh, Andrew Stevens, uh, Tom DaCosta, Sila, Sili, uh, Elmi Iashapi, and Nahida Chowdhury. And actually, I think they're all pretty good candidates. Like, they all seem like pretty good people with uh, good community service backgrounds. Um, I, if I had to pick the most conservative one, I would say Tom DaCosta, Sili. Uh, but th- that's not... That's not actually, that's intuitive. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could be way off base on that. Um, what I found, uh, like Andrew Stevens is the incumbent and he has a good history in the community and seems like relatively progressive. Um, he talks about anti-racism and confronting racism within the RPS in his uh, platforms. So that's something that uh, I, I mean, that really st- stood out to me. Uh, El Maria Shapi is, uh, he has a degree in first nation social work. So he has a lot of experience like, and dealing with uh, uh, issues uh, that indigenous peoples face within the city. And I'm not sure what the uh, makeup is in that ward, but uh it's good experience for somebody to have on the city council in general. Um, 
And Tom Seeley, like he, he's a, he's got a business and he's kind of a, got a finance background or an accountant background. So, uh, he's volunteered with uh, religious organizations and Nahida Chowdhury, uh, she actually really seems to really genuinely care about the homeless issue and, uh, wants to work to provide housing and, uh, towards that. So yeah, that's your award three. I looked into <laughs> like my own ward is ward five. <laughs> and I, I don't want to like disparage these four candidates. I've got, uh, what are their names here? Sorry. Um, uh, Ward five, uh, John Findura, uh, R- Rodney Francis, Renier, uh, Van Everdink and Cameron Wilkes. And as far as I can tell, these gentlemen all have very similar ideas about, uh, you know, collecting property taxes, uh, not paying too much in property taxes, I guess. And, um, uh, like they don't mention homelessness much. They don't mention racism within the RPST, RPS, you know. Um, one of them, uh, Renier Van Everdink, he specifically does mention that he'd like to renegotiate the situation with Mosaic Stadium, um, with the province, but I'm not convinced that a city councilor on his own could, uh, do that. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Seems- yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, one of the words that I wanted to, uh, oh. I guess, I, I just was thinking, uh, I've seen like Stu Fetz in Ward 2. Uh, he's no good. <laughs> <laughs> so Stu Fetz is no good, um, but he's running against three other people. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> George, do we do we know anything about the other three and and which ones are 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 the strongest? Um, you know, I don't. Okay. I just I just know that Stu Fats. Like, if you go to his Facebook page, it's it is a stream of uh, anti-socialist, like right-wing conspiracy type okay. uh, posts, and this is not a person you want representing your ward on city council. Right. Okay. Um, pardon me. It's uh, one of the things that's frustrating um, is like the city of Regina, um, like so Regina.ca has in general a light years better breakdown on candidates than Saskatoon does. Um, they Regina certainly makes it a heck of a lot easier to find out information about their city council. They're, they're, yeah, the Regina elections website is actually pretty amazing. It's really good. It's, it's, again, you're just dealing with people's word for it. Um, like, again, you're, it, it, and, and to some degree, that's exactly what I would want to see out of the city because you do want a more neutral approach. I, right. I always get frustrated. I can't see who the incumbent is. They don't, they don't have any marker denoting who an incumbent is within within a riding right um and i think that's a little frustrating um so i I wish i wish i had an easier time um figuring that piece out when um when looking at things um just because it does give you a bit of an idea sort of who is who front runners are because incumbents 
for all intents and purposes, an incumbent is going to be a front runner in a city council election. Right. And that's a major controversy. On, uh, I, like, okay, so I haven't actually voted in a city election until this. I'm like, this is would be my first okay. one. Are they going to have um, something on the ballot that says this is the current the incumbent, or is it all going to be? Like just names in a list. <laughs> it's been four years since I voted in one. I I don't know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I've always known who I was going to vote for going into the elections. Right. So I've never spent a lot of time paying attention to the ballot. <laughs> you go, you see the name you know. And <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, um. Yeah, like to be honest, I was just saying, I just, I don't, I don't know. Okay, um, so I, I'll know in a week from now. We can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> do a bit of a breakdown. Yeah. Um, um, also in Ward Two, like I'm looking at uh, uh, George Sikilis, Sikilis, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean he seems like the way he's written his blurb, uh, it's very um, positive, upbeat. Uh, until you, uh, when you get to the bottom, he says uh, wants to fund extra police and social services, and um, I mean, I think we know my established view on funding police. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I have to say much more on that. But depend yeah. if if you feel like the police need more money, then uh, this is your guy is in Ward Two. Um, but if we want sort of jumping up a few numbers, um, I do want to touch base a little bit on Ward Nine. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah, that's Catherine Gagne. Yeah, it's one of those ones where I'm, again, frustrated by the fact that there's six candidates. Because <laughs> I am I, I am very, very worried. Actually, I, I'm fairly certain what was going to happen is Catherine Gagne is going to win. Um, because Harvest Baptist Church. He's in that had, area. <laughs> well, they, not even just that area, because I think they have a few candidates sprinkled throughout the various elections. They are going to block vote. Yeah. It is illegal for churches to come right out and say, hey, here's who you should vote for. They're not allowed to do that from the pulpit. But they can but easily do that in conversations with each other. Yeah. The, the coffee and tea and cookies yeah. that they have in the basement after church. Absolutely. They can do that. Um, and there, there's going to be block voting for the Harvest Baptist candidates. Yeah. Um, and this isn't me being prejudiced against prejudiced against people who are members of a specific faith group. Right. Um, this is a matter of there is a specific, like there is a specific mandate within those who are coming out of that church to de-secularize government. And, um, and based on and, what they tried to do with the school board or what they did with the school board situation last year, um, what's to say that they wouldn't be, you know, coming out as a group of city councilors yeah. against something like Pride Parade? You know, Absolutely. You know, well, and they're, they're, they are. And this Catherine Gagne, especially, but my like that block. And, and again, that same with the block that was of them that was on the. Um, city council is ant like is very much anti-government. It is the um, we don't think the government should be doing things, um, and yeah. it's it's always and sort of like 
I know you're an anarchist, so I get <laughs> you're going to be some empathy there. And to some extent, you know, I, I, um, I, I can understand that to some degree, but it's very much a matter of um, removing funding for homelessness issues, removing funding from yeah. social wellness programs, removing funding from schools um, in the belief that that should just be done by churches, in the belief that those should be used as opportunities for proselytizing. Right, right. Um, that, you know, take take these social services out of the public hands and put them in a church's hands. And then you can get people to become part of the church in exchange for getting services. Yeah. Um, and whether, whether the majority of the people in our province recognize it or not, there are people who, uh, who have deep faiths that aren't of the Christian variety, <laughs> you know, and, and this is, I don't know. That that's the very type of thing that I I I mean you and I we agree very much on the secular issues. It's, yeah. it's like it's so it's so offensive to me that that's uh that they would tie giving help to people to pros, proselytizing that it's and I've spoken like I've spoken with the people who have very deep faith within the Christian faith who 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 would agree. Right, uh, very right. strongly agree that in in their mind, almost from the other direction, it is a cheapening of their faith for it to be manipulated for the purpose of um, government power. Yeah, right. Like that's not what this is supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, so in in Ward Nine, um, or in yeah in Ward Nine, I have that frustration of I suspect you will get. Catherine Gagne getting 35% of the vote and that being enough to win. Yeah. Um, I've heard very good things about Rob Humphreys, who is, is one of the other candidates there. Um, but the very good things I've heard from him are he's my neighbor. He's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so not good very, enough. <laughs> very good things on a personal level. His platform looks fantastic, but like, yeah. it's, it's one of these things where if I look at the, um, the, the platforms of, of many of the people running there, um, they're strong. Uh, it looks like, sorry, uh, Jeff Soroka, I believe is the, um, no, I was going to say he talks almost as if he's the incumbent in his write up, but he's not. Oh, okay. Um, um, but he was, he was a constable with the RCMP for 31 years. So, you know, that police experience, take it sort of as you will one way or the other. Um, Hopefully that's going to pull some votes away from Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so, it's fair to say but, yeah. vote for the cop over the religious zealot. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bigger conversation. Um, but it's the, yeah, it's this weird thing where fascism and, not, and I'm not saying she's a fascist. Of course. And yeah, I'm not no. saying she's a libertarian. Right. But, it's this weird thing where fascism and libertarianism should be on extreme opposite ends of the political spectrum. Yeah. And they're <laughs> so heavily in bed with each other in North America that it blows my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I, I talk about like in, uh, again, very weird metaphor, but, uh, uh, the Avengers civil war movie, um, like it was 
the two sides you had to pick from were libertarianism and fascism. Like, no wonder it was hard <laughs> to pick between the two sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, we will say neither side is wrong by making both sides really awful. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've often so said, like, uh, and I, again, we're not, this isn't specific to Saskatchewan in any way, yeah. but uh, right wing libertarianism is really, really close to like, uh, no, we just need private fascism. Not government fascism. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. no, I, I can I can certainly under I can certainly see that perspective. Um, one of the things that um, I, I think we we need to definitely expand on in one of our later um, episodes because um, it's not it's not affecting the direct election tomorrow. But um, I think that the probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest, place to start implementing things like um, preferential balloting is at the local level. Right. Um, you know, if we start looking at electoral reform, so there's the two main branches of, of, of uh, electoral reform that can replace first past the post. And they, they can both be, come into play, but for the most part, people look at either proportional representation or preferential balloting or MMP rank on choice side or, or rank choice, preferential balloting, rank choice, instant runoff. <laughs> Effectively, they're all the different names for the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a nomenclature difference or if there's actual nuance between the three. I mean, a person um, could look into it, but yeah. Yeah. Like, effectively, they're, 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 they're the same. Um, and on the other side, proportional representation, MMP is kind of just mixed member proportionals, kind of like right. of, <laughs> of proportional. At the civic level, you don't like proportional representation or MMP is just, it's, it's not an option because we don't have parties. Right. Right. So, so you get to take that option completely off the table. So the only real um, option as far as um, electoral reform is um, preferential balloting. Um, and I, I honestly think you have a strong possibility of implementing it at the local level. Sure. Because um, I don't think it hurts incumbents the way it does at a federal or a provincial level. Because at federal and provincial, you always run into the issue of why would I want to get rid of the system that got me in place? Right. Um, and to some extent, it, I, it can hurt the incumbent a little bit because the incumbent is always going to get a certain chunk of votes just by sheer virtue of name recognition. Right, right. Um, and and, and um, preferential balloting um, helps mitigate name recognition to some degree. Um, but I, I think you can get it. And I think it, it solves a lot of these issues. And like it may hurt progressive candidates in, in the short run as well. You know, you look at Saskatoon, I think in Saskatoon, I was saying earlier, uh, Charlie Clark has a very, very strong chance of winning because of even if he doesn't get a majority, he's going to get a plurality because you're going to have a split on the Atchison Norris. Right. In a preferential balloting system, there is a much stronger chance that the Atchison votes go to Norris as their number two choice and the Norris vote or, or the Norris votes go to Atchison as their number two choice. Right. And you could easily have Charlie Clark, you know, it could be Clark 40%, Atchison 30, Norris 25 in round one. And then all of a sudden in round two, it's Atchison 60 and Clark at yeah. 40, right? Like it, yeah. it, it, you could very easily have have thing that happened to progressive candidates as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. But in the long run, I think it's a more efficient system. I think it's a system that better speaks to the, the will of people. And it, it, again, you eliminate the, 
yeah, 70% of the people don't want Catherine Gagne as their city councillor, but 30% do. And, and that, the other yeah. 70% are split between five people. Yeah. So then they, right? those 30% get to decide for the other 70%. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think, you know, we talk about, I think you and I are very much in agreement to some degree on electoral reform in general. And I think where we differ is that, um, leaning, leaning towards ranked choice balloting versus <laughs> proportional. Yeah. But again, at the civic level, you, you eliminate that choice. Right. Like yeah. it, it, it's at that point, you know, if you're if you're not running if you're not running a party system, then the rank choice makes make yeah rank choice, choice makes, is, is, is cut and dry a better system. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, and I think you can get movement towards it. Um, and uh, I think we did a great job not talking American politics for the most part this episode, <laughs> in spite of in spite of the elephant in the room. But yeah. the one thing that I do sort of talk about from there is this was the like this was the first election where you saw chips in the armor of um, the electoral college system. Right. One, I think people more awareness to how bonkers it is. Um, (laughs) But um, a year ago, Oregon implemented a system. uh, Now it has no weight yet, but what Oregon did is they implemented um, uh, an initiative where the legislature of Oregon now will assign the electoral college votes to whichever candidate Right. Wins the popular vote as long as at least 270 electoral college votes worth of other states does the same. Um, so they're not screwing themselves over in the short term and they're not screwing over. Um, they're they're a, a blue state. So they're not screwing over the Democrats in the short term because this only takes effect um, when popular votes takes effect nationally. Right. But it's a way of doing it in stages without sort of temporarily screwing yourself over. So I think that's huge. A step in the right um, direction. A step in the right direction. And as an interim step, what Maine did is Maine implemented ranked choice balloting um, for their electoral college votes. So um, their electoral college votes still are divided the same way they always have been. Maine's one of those split states. Maine and Nebraska right. are the split ones where um, they give uh, two – no, yeah, two of their – two or three um, – give two of their – um, electoral college votes to whoever wins the, the popular vote in the state as a whole, and then the the rest the the other two or three are based on congressional district, and so that's why Maine went four Democrat, uh, three or four Democrat and one Republican. Right. Um, Nebraska was the opposite; they did three or four uh, Republican and one Democrat. But what they also have done is for each one of those, if there if if no candidate gets a majority, there's instant runoff of the third place candidate. And that's what determines it. So if the Democrat, if if Joe Biden had only gotten 49.9 and right, right. Then Trump the, got 48, the other 2.1% gets divided to their second choice. Now, this time it was irrelevant because every candidate who won there, because it was they applied it to um, Senate and congressional ones as well. Right. Um, but every candidate that won won with a majority, not a plurality. Um, but if Maine can do it, there's nothing saying other places can't. Right. And if the Americans can do electoral reform, <laughs> there's no reason the level, we can't. <laughs> with the level of division and partisanship and intractability that yeah. they have, there's zero reason we can't. Yeah. And I think that's going to be one of those things for, for things like school board trustees and city councilor and even mayor or possibly especially mayor. Yeah. If we can get some variant of ranked choice balloting or preferential balloting or instant runoff or whatever you want to call it, um, I think you will definitely see 
um, a, a much more, a much stronger degree of voter engagement. Right. Yeah. And a lot less, um, a lot more people voting for who they actually want rather than trying to do strategic voting yeah. blindly. Because again, we talked last week, it's incredibly tough to do strategic voting in an election where you don't have information because you can't really make strategies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no Anyways. polling. <laughs> Anywho. All right. Well, I think an hour and a half. I mean, that's a little bit yeah. long for our normal show, but if uh, anyone's listened to this long, thank you for putting up with us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Try and keep things shorter in future. Yeah. I guess you can find us at anchor.fm slash from many peoples. Our Twitter is at SK politics pod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash from many people's strength pod and our Gmail from many peoples at gmail.com. So if people want to actually contact us, that's how you do it. Absolutely. And give us topics to talk about now that uh, elections are passed. Anything yeah. you want to hear us look into. We're happy to, <laughs> Otherwise, happy to do that now that some of the, the immediate uh, feet in the fire has sort of died down a bit. Otherwise, you're stuck with what we're interested in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Corey. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You bet. Thanks.